thus far we've uh, talked quite a lot about mindfulness or insight meditation and we've done several practice periods uh, exploring that side of the practice path and there's another side of the practice path which is the Brahma Viharas or the divine abodes these as I mentioned earlier are sometimes uh, called the heart practices and these are uh, complementary practices to insight or mindfulness and they (coughs) Uh, work a little bit differently but function in their own right as an independent practice tradition and also as a support or foundation for the development of wisdom. And there are four Brahma Viharas Metta or loving kindness or loving friendliness or benevolence Uh, Karuna compassion Uh, Upeka equanimity, and mudita, uh, appreciative joy. And these uh, Brahma Viharas uh, function in two ways. One, they, they double as a concentration practice, so like focusing your attention very closely on the breath or a particular sensation in the body, uh, the Brahma Vihara practice Uh, can be used similarly to stabilize, to quiet and stabilize the mind. Okay, so they have that benefit or or value, potentially. And they're also, uh, secondly, a cultivation practice, which means that they're intended to cultivate a particular kind of uh, mind state. Compassion, kindness, equanimity, and appreciation of joy. Doesn't mean that just in doing the practice, particularly if we're new, that we all of a sudden, you know, we're filled with joy or feelings of benevolence or friendliness, but rather as we develop and mature our relationship to these techniques, uh, that is a possible fruit, that the mind is more inclined toward these healthy or wholesome, uh, skillful mind states. Of course, these mind states are. much more enjoyable to be with for us when when we have them, when we're abiding in them. And uh, what we discover is that when we have access to these mind states or when we abide in them, we see the world quite differently. Uh, The whole, uh, the perceptual lens through which we see uh, has changed and has transformed. And in a very beneficial way, um, and one of the ways we recognize that is not only are we uh, inclined to feel better about ourselves and about our lives, but we begin to notice that we're evaluating people and situations differently. We're a little softer, a little less critical, a little kinder, a little bit more generous, and that overall we appreciate and find more joy in ourselves and in the life that we're living. It's, it's a natural outcome of, of wholesome mind states. Of course, this is the opposite of dukkha and stress and anxiety and suffering. So this is another important way of, of developing ourselves and transforming our mind on the, on the Buddhist path. Brahma is a term, of course, that, the, uh, that Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, would have taken from 
his particular uh, social and geographical place uh, in India at the time, except that there is not any indication of uh, prescribed uh, social class or status attributed to the word Brahma, uh, but rather it indicates a higher elevated spiritual state. So in the use of the Brahma in the Buddhist tradition, one is not uh, better than or more deserving or credentialed in any way um, because of how they came into the world. Um, they're not credentialed in any way because of their family or skin color or anything like that or gender, um, but they are rather um, valued or applauded because of their spiritual achievement or development. And uh, a, a vihara is a, is a dwelling place. If, if we were traveling in India, for example, and we were tired and hungry, we might find a, a Buddhist vihara, and we might go there and um, find tea, and maybe even a place to rest, or a bed to sleep overnight, and uh, a sense of, um, of a, a, a a physical location that can hold us and, and provide some comfort and, and safety. Right? So uh, these Brahma Viharas are, are um, abodes, they're places that we can abide in, and they are uh, mental states that uh, can hold us in a greater <coughs> sense of safety and, and well-being. We can, really, we can really land there, in a sense, um, and this is one of the things that we we tend to see more clearly on longer retreats that these are, these are quite, um, these mindsets are quite possible. And actually sometimes we, uh, <coughs> though they are impermanent, um, they, we can kind of lock into them in a sense and, and really rest there, uh, really rest the craving, and rest the aversion, and rest the jealousy, and rest the anger. For the past three years, I've been I've been doing either two or three weeks of continuous uh, loving kindness practice in um, Southeast Asia uh, at the monastery where my teacher is, and have been able to see um, more clearly the truth, if you will, of this one particular Brahma Vihara, loving kindness or or metta, um, and, and getting getting a real sense of the mind's natural ability to to see in a friendly way, to see in a benevolent way, to be, to be free of dosa, which in Pali is, is anger. So, so these are, it's really quite possible to cultivate these qualities within ourselves, and I think they're an important balance to, um, to the development of insight and, and wisdom, and again, as I said, also a foundation for the development of wisdom. So I'd like to... Um, either introduce to you uh, some of these practices or help you continue these practices if you've already uh, done some work with them um, in other places and, and with other teachers. Uh, so does everybody have two, <coughs> two objects? So you can take one, um, either one. And you can, you can just hold it in your hand. And you can, 
take a moment to reestablish your meditation posture. It's, it's okay to be, in fact, it's, it's encouraged to be as comfortable as you can for these practices. And if you're used to practicing with your eyes closed, uh, go ahead and close the eyes. And of course, if you practice with the eyes open, that's also okay. You don't need to see your object, but it's, it's helpful, I, I think, to be able to, to feel it. So you have it in your hand or your hands. And just take a moment to settle the attention, maybe noticing the upper legs or hips resting on the chair or the cushion again. Noticing the breathing. So in a sense, turning your attention away from the short dharma reflection, away from the words, and just locating your own body in your awareness, being fully present in the room and on your chair and on your cushion. And I'd like to invite you to reflect for a moment on some part or aspect of yourself that you have a difficult time with. And I'll say a little bit more about this. As we participate in these different contemplative and awareness practices, as we spend time in community or sangha, talk with spiritual friends, build relationships with mentors, experience different kinds of counseling modalities, we do begin to know ourselves. And as part of this, we discover things that are sometimes difficult to be at peace with or to integrate or to applause, to be at peace with. We see shadow sides. We see skills that are undeveloped. We take ownership of habits that harm us or other people. Ultimately, we see the dukkha and maybe even its creation. And as part of our practice, we need to learn how to hold this and not turn away from or reject these parts of ourselves and build a friendly, kind, compassionate relationship to them. So reflecting on some aspect of your personality, maybe a behavior pattern, Maybe it's one that other people know because it gets exhibited in speech or action. Or maybe there's a behavior pattern that's more invisible to others. It's an internal action, a thought pattern that you play out in a way that's uh, criticizing or self-condemning. 
Perhaps you're prone to a certain emotional or mental state, like anger or depression or anxiety. Or maybe as we continue to explore this idea of a hungry ghost, within ourselves, you simply recognize the many ways that you suffer from craving and attachment. I, for example, am often caught in worry about the future. Worried about the things that I have, particularly certain things that I could lose, that I perceive could be somehow taken away. And this causes uh, a combination of stress, over striving in life, and worry. I continue to work with a relentless, uh, deeply ingrained uh, sense that I'm not good enough. Not smart enough. And if I'm not careful, a separate but related idea that if I disappoint or let down or hurt somebody, I'm fundamentally not a good person. Please don't today concern yourself with where these um, habits or patterns of personality uh, came from. That can be helpful and useful, and you may or may not know the answer to that. Um, but knowing the answer here today is not uh, necessary. Rather, just acknowledging some part that could use uh, some care, and some friendliness, Now to do this doesn't say that you necessarily approve or agree to perpetuate those parts of yourself. You may very well, through your contemplative and other practices, be working to understand and alleviate them to the degree that that's possible. Nor are we making excuses for ourselves. But we're just recognizing the presence of. And so choose one such aspect of yourself. And I'd like you to consider that it is represented by or contained within the object that you're holding in your hand, that you brought in from outside.
And I'll recite three short phrases using I statements. <clears throat> and I'd like you to imagine, I'd like you to consider that you are directing these statements toward this part or aspect of yourself that you've chosen. So it's easier if you choose one aspect rather than a, a constellation. And just like with our other practices, um, if you get caught up in thinking and you're drifting off and away from the exercise, away from the practice, just gently bring your attention back. So in caring and gentle and yet attentive consideration of this aspect that you've chosen, I see you. This is a simple acknowledgement. I see you. This is a, a popular, if not trendy, vernacular and uh, intention that we hold amongst our friends and communities. We want to see each other, don't we? We are beginning to understand the, the high purpose and function of validating who another person is. And yet, uh, we often fail to do this for ourselves. But it's very important. I see you. I recognize simply this part of myself. I care about you. which is to say, I hold you with an attitude of care, consideration, and curiosity. I don't throw you away. I don't repress you. I don't deny you. I do not hide from you. And I'm not afraid of you. I care about you. This indicates a relationship. And thirdly, I am here for you. And this indicates that you will not abandon yourself. You will not walk away from yourself. Because of some difficulty. I see you. I care about you. To care requires being with. Not remotely, but intimately. I am here for you. Literally, just holding this aspect of self 
in the palm of your hand is totally sufficient. Totally showing up. Totally good enough. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you. You might take a few long, deep, full inhalations and exhalations. I see you. I care about you. I am here for you. And to the degree that the practice we're doing creates any discomfort, directing the same kind of care to that unpleasantness, widening the circle of care as you accept all parts of your mind and body and heart. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you. And now reciting these phrases over quietly to yourself at a pace that is natural or comfortable, using them to hold the attention focused on this part of the self. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you. Returning to these phrases and perhaps the feeling evoked beneath them if you notice that you become distracted. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you.
if the mind is mostly thinking and caught up in other things, you can run the phrases closer together. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you. I see you, (coughs) I care about you, I am here for you. I see you, I care about you, I am here for you. And if the mind is stable and you're able to rest your attention on the feelings beneath the words, there can be more space between the phrases. I see you. I care about you. I'm here for you. Go ahead and put that object that represents that part of yourself down. Don't don't pick up the other object yet. Maybe open the eyes, maybe stretch the neck a little bit. Maybe twist the upper torso. Go ahead and find your other object and hold that in your hand. And I'd like to now invite you to reflect for a moment on an aspect of yourself that is easy to appreciate. And this might be something that you share in common with others. It might be a very unique trait or gift that uh, is more rare, but uh, available to you. Um, And this could be anything. It could be a creative gift. It could be something that to others would seem mundane, but you know it's important. Like, for example, Uh, You really know how to balance uh, work and play, so you you really shut off your commitments and you spend a lot of time doing the things you like that are good for you, like cooking or walking or gardening or making art or music. um, There could be a very particular way that you express generosity. in your life. Maybe you've spent many, many years engaging the ongoing work and path of abstinence and sobriety. Whether 
that has been increasingly moving toward the positive or perpetually a struggle with ups and downs, perhaps recognizing the ongoing commitment. Perhaps there's a part of your life or element of relationship that is difficult, but if you look closely, you realize that you've been remarkably patient or that you've grown more patient over time. Perhaps you are really smart, and here's where you admit it, that your mind is sharp and fast under certain circumstances. And you might not say that out loud in certain groups because you might be criticized. Somebody might say you have an ego. But you know of a particular intelligence or smarts. It's undeniable. Perhaps in the past years you've uh, developed a new relationship to your physical body that's healthier than it used to be. Maybe there's been some change in the way you relate to other people. Some kind of beneficial change. Maybe you heard the Buddhist teachings or mindfulness instructions. And they resonated in a very deep way and you oriented your life toward waking up. And so just appreciating the significant fact that you stepped on this path. You've joined the congregation of those who have little dust in their eyes. And anything else that comes to mind, some wholesome or healthy trait, quality, skill, part of the self. Could be anything. And I will, as before, recite three simple phrases using I statements. And I encourage you to direct the sentiments of these statements directly toward this aspect that is contained within and represented by the object that you hold in your hand. You might even imagine sending directly to the object the intention behind these words. 
I see you. I consciously choose to turn toward and acknowledge this goodness within myself. I appreciate you. My true nature, you are. Indicating that these wholesome parts of ourselves are closer to our true nature than our limitations and our suffering. I see you, I appreciate you. My true nature, you are. I see you, I appreciate you, my true nature, you are. And continuing to recite these phrases quietly internally on your own, again adjusting the pace faster or slower according to what seems most suitable, most beneficial. And coming back to the phrases or the meaning behind the words or the felt sense that the words evoke when you become distracted. I see you, I appreciate you, my true nature, you are.
I see you, I appreciate you, my true nature you are. <laughs>